following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. want to go back to the time when we had nothing to talk about or now that all we have to talk about is bad things well a lot of there's a lot of bad stuff take your pick because i was just thinking like what are we going to talk about tonight that's good or would i rather just not talk about anything i mean the nba playoffs start in a week so that's that's good but other than that not much not much The, the the news has been um for the college game, for college football, I will use the word. The news was catastrophic today, I think. Yeah. Um, in the Big Ten saying, and the, the timeline on this and following along with some of the people that report it, it's been really weird. A lot of maybe this happened and maybe that happened, but then that person is contradicting what another person is saying, and you've got voting happening, and then another person says there was no vote, and I just... I said it yesterday, and I was just like, until I hear something from Kevin Warren, the Big Ten president, I'm not believing anything that anybody is saying, and that we got that final word today. We'll jump into that here in just a second. This is the Intentional Foul. Josh and Dan, back with you for another week. We'll touch on uh, the big news in college sports today about football. Uh, we'll touch on the Brewers, go through a little bit of baseball, and like you mentioned, the NBA playoffs. Uh, Bucks are the number one seed. We'll uh, talk about that. Um, and, uh, we'll also touch on somebody that we knew, one of our friends, one of our acquaintances that is, uh, no longer with us and some bad news that uh, we received over the weekend. And we'll kind of get into that to kind of wrap things up, not to end on a sad note, but, um, I think it's, it, it does warrant mentioning, uh, at least by us considering we both, we both knew Tony Hummel and, um, we're well aware of his additions to, uh, the community in the world of sports, um, and how those kind of intersected. So we'll we'll get into that a little bit uh, towards the end. Um, did you did you get any feedback from last week's pod about anything? No. Okay. Did not. I, did, me, I didn't either. Because check with, how many people were with the with the poontang pie <laughs> segment. Oh, I, I didn't know if like you know are we going to get is it is it offensive? Is it funny? You know, I mean, like you know, but hey. Got, I, maybe no news is good news. We got a decent number of <laughs> we we got a decent number of, of of listens for that episode. Not bad. Not one, bad. One of my buddies who works um, second shift, he said he wants a shirt. Yeah, and I said, well, we got to get it designed first, <laughs> right? So yeah, we're just kind of thinking out loud, right? There, you yeah, know? but but he said he definitely loves the idea and he, and he wants a shirt. Donations welcome. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know what the production money is. I'll gonna... just I'll set one of those old UNICEF boxes on my front porch, and people can just come drop their nickels. Perfect. In. Well, we do have a chain shortage, so that's right. Do- dollar bills are preferred. That's fine. Thank you. That's that's money that folds <laughs> is better than money that jingles. That's, that's right. right. Um, all right, let's start with uh, the the big news that was this morning is that the Big Ten shut down fall sports. And, I mean, let's be honest, football is the one, and, and, and you had mentioned this, it, it, that drives the bus. That propels a lot of the athletic department money. And, um, I, and I think the effects of this will not be just football-related. It will be sports-related overall at a lot of these schools. Yeah, um, you know, the the – 
the Power Five are going to probably have to cut something. It won't be. I don't think it'll be anything major immediately. But like some of these smaller uh, D one and D one double A schools, like you know Mac schools and and uh, you know. Um, what, the one double A, like uh, our our buddy George Cullen played at Georgetown, like yeah. schools like that mm-hmm. that have like crew, um, you know, men's men's volleyball, water polo, stuff like that that nobody goes to the games, but they're still um, quote unquote scholarship yeah. sports. Mm-hmm. Those are going to be the first ones that are going to get cut. They're going to have to worry about doing it evenly because of Title Nine. Um, th- this is this this pandemic, this whole situation. I think is really going to change a lot of the structure of of college athletics. At least it, it could. Um, you know, there, there's so many rules that have to be abided by with this stuff um, that I'm sure it's very very difficult to make these decisions that these athletic departments and and university presidents had to make. I don't envy them at all. No. Um, but we, we were talking before. I mean, I'm 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 surprised that this has happened, but yet at the same time, I'm not surprised. If I was a better, I would have bet that they were eventually going to cancel it. But I'm just surprised that it's happened. Me too, I guess. In also from the Reese from the last 24 to 48 hours, how many coaches came out and said they wanted to play? How many players and and the players wanted to come? You know, came out and said that we want to play. And 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 you have a, a lot of elite players around the country that now are going to be put to a decision. And that's if, and, and and you said it, I'm totally on board, a big if you have spring football like a lot of these places are planning. And and I saw a tweet a couple of days ago, even when they were starting to entertain this thought before it really got traction, because, I mean, the schedules for, the, for a lot of these conferences just came out last week. And a lot of stuff has apparently changed in the last five to seven days mm-hmm. for them to warrant canceling things. But somebody said that you've got guys that now, like, if you are, let's say, the top linebacker or the top corner or the top safety, but you're not All-American status, but you got a good shot at being drafted in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, that's low for the NFL draft, but considering the school you're going to if you're not at an Ohio State mm-hmm. or an Alabama or something like that. Yeah, if you're if you're at Elkhorn State. Right, something but like you're that. a stud you're on good. your team. Yeah and you have the chance to get taken, what's the incentive to play? Even if you just get drafted that late. Yeah. Well, we're already seeing there's a lack of incentive for a lot of guys to to the last couple years to play bowl games. Yes, absolutely. Conference championships, Mm -hmm. bowl games, stuff like that. It's like, I, you know, we've won the conference. We've won the – I don't have anything left to prove. I know where I'm going. I know how much money I'm going to make. Why am I risking anything? And I I think college football, much more so than basketball – um, a, a an an individual college season can determine a player's future, like ridiculously. Where in the in basketball, most of these guys they already know who you are, you know, and most of the best players aren't sticking around. Right, you know, like I heard Joe Burrow came out with a comment and said something to the effect of, "If this had happened at the same time last year." And he doesn't get to play his senior year at LSU and have and win the Heisman and have the amazing year he has. He's probably a fifth round pick, right? 
but instead he has the year he has, vaults himself to number one, and goes from being a third string or a practice squad player potentially making nothing Mm -hmm. to having like whatever the number one slotted guaranteed money is and being put in a situation where I get to play right away, I get to show my skills right away, Mm -hmm. and I can maybe get a second contract a lot quicker than if I'm sitting behind two or three other guys. So there's a lot of things that are going to be affected um, for for these players. I mean, you got to throw the combine in there. That The NFL has already said they're not moving that. I mean, you know, maybe they move it back a little bit, but they're not going to move it back to August. No. The draft's not going to move back to the middle of the summer. Nope. I so, saw one tweet today to say they could they they could move it back like a couple weeks, sure, but j- just for accommodation purposes. But I mean, I mean, just go back to spring ball if it happens. And talking about guys that are getting drafted, let's say you have the Ohio States, the Alabamas, where you have ten to twelve guys that get taken. What if all of them opt out and say yeah, say we're not yeah. playing? That's half of your starters right, probably. Right. What kind of team are you going to be able to field? Right. Well, and and. Urban Meyer said today on, I'm on not a radio feel sorry show. For him. <laughs> no, Urban Meyer said today on a radio show though with this spring ball, like it just it it physically can't happen yep. because the players can't play a 12 to 14. I mean, even if you played an eight or a 10 game, if it was a condensed season in the spring, and then you can't ask them to take two months off and then come back and play a regular fall schedule, it's just not possible. And you know, the, the the safety word is thrown around a lot with this is the reason why we're not going to have college football in the fall. Well, then you have to throw it around when you're talking about playing in the spring, well, too. Well, and a lot of players have brought that up. I was just watching the news before I came over, and they were showing a number of, of Badger tweets. I think it was Fayon Hicks who said, so let me get this straight. It's about safety, but you, you guys want to have us play in the spring and then take a couple months off and then play another full season right away? Right. Who, who are you kidding? Right. It's like, so they players get it. I don't because think anybody regu- else does. In a regular year, um, they basically have nine months off, all, pretty much eight months off, with the exception of that little spring camp. Yeah, where you know, where it's, it's where you're, not... and I'm talking about off, where like you're not physically getting hit. No, and they take they take like two days off between practices, right? In in the spring, and they're they're not out there trying to kill each and other. The stars, you know, Jonathan Taylor and guys like that in the past, they're not doing much, right? They're not doing much nope. in spring ball. People recover them from surgery. Still, the you know it, it's not a killer if you miss spring. Spring ball. ball is all it is. It's for the coaches. All it is is an excuse to get your team together and to look at progression, install and, some it, stuff. Yeah, absolutely, it's really not even for the right. players. See who you got. Who's going to fit where? Yes. Run a couple of things. See who's got the mental capacity to do whatever, and maybe then you get a blueprint for what you're going to do when fall camp opens. Right. So, um, but it, it's just. It's interesting, and what I what I was finding interesting today was reading a lot of the college football reporters on Twitter and and some of their comments, and a lot of them were talking about, you know, the universities are very scared about the possible liability of playing, sure. and lawyers are involved in this, and whenever that happens, things usually don't turn out well. Um, a lot of the reporters, though, have questioned why 13 of the 14 Big Ten schools are going to have in-person, on-campus schooling in the fall. So you can have 100 people in an economics class, but you can't play sports, which is weird. 
Because I would think you would have a better opportunity to control a sports, a group of kids playing a sport versus just a bunch of random students. Because mm-hmm. random students are going to do shit that random college students do. They're going to go out. They're going to party. Well, they're going to sleep with each other. They're going to do all this stuff. Like, you could take the football team and put them in one dorm. Yeah, That's your dorm. That's the football dorm for this year, for this semester, whatever, however you want to do it. The only people going in and out of there are football people. And the kids are just going to have to understand, and it will be very hard because we've seen the professionals that's can't what, even that, do it. And that's what was my thought. But the kids are going to have to make a decision. Do I want to party or do I want to play? And look, at the end of the day, it comes up. It's all about personal responsibility. And it's a little disappointing that in a lot of these cases that that has been taking out of the hands of all of us. Um and it's like anything else. You're going to have people that abuse it. That's that's life. I mean, it's like when this get a substitute teacher. Oh, some God. kids were going to be assholes, and some kids were not. Yes. It's just that's just the nature of people. Mm. So, um, this this I think it shows the lack of leadership in college football that this has happened. Where you've got the ACC's got a doctor that came out today that says, yeah, it's fine. They can play. You've got the SEC. Who I mean, they're the South. They're, they just they're don't give play. a shit. No. They're going to play. And then you've got the big. The Big Ten and now the Pac-12 saying, well, we're not going to play. Either they all should be playing or none should be playing. That's why they they need a a figurehead of some sort. I, again, nominate myself <laughs> to be commissioner of the world. Uh-huh. Sports commissioner of everything. And just let me figure this sure. out. I'm sure we'll all be in a lot yeah. better place. I don't know. We'll, we'll probably be playing football. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I thought about this because, and I, I've heard Kevin Warren talk, the new guy. He came over from the Vikings. He replaced Jim Delaney. And I saw, I thought I'd seen more about this, and maybe it was because people didn't want to trash Warren. I just think, I just get the feeling, and it really doesn't matter right now because he's gone. I get the feeling that if Jim Delaney was still president of the Big Ten, we'd be in a different position as far as the conference. And you said that to me earlier. Why? I just... Because I don't know anything about really either of these guys. I know Delaney was there forever. Delaney is a business guy. He he got the the, the conference, I'm not going to say even with the SEC, but he propped up the Big Ten pretty well as far as total prominence. Network. Um, yeah. East expansion, and, all and that say stuff. what you want about the addition of Maryland and Rutgers and how terrible it is for football. Um, but he expanded the scope of the Big Ten. Um, Ohio State has basically run the show forever. I mean, they've switched into, you know, divisions now because they've had to add these two schools. I'm not so sure that he wouldn't have been a stronger figure in trying to figure out how to play rather than to find reasons why they can't play. He just seemed like that kind of guy to me. Yeah. Where it's it's Kevin Warren was like, well, we got to listen to all the medical experts and all the people and all the scientists and stuff like that and player safety. I think that, and I'm not saying Delaney would have skirted all those things, but I think he would have probably done those things, but I think he would have been pushing like, we got to find a way how to get this done rather than say, well, how far can we push it before we need to call it off? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just think there would have been, been a different way that he would approach this whole thing when you talk about leadership. I just get I just get the feeling, having seen him and heard him and read everything about him over the last couple of years, I just think he would have been a little bit stronger figurehead, I guess, during this whole thing when you talk about lack of leadership. And it's 
But I mean, I, I totally understand what you're saying. You've got all these conferences in the Power Five, and they're all running by their own set of rules. Yeah. And that's why, basically, a couple of weeks ago, they all said, we're screwing the non-conference games because we don't know what you guys are doing. And when you come to town or we go there, we don't know what kind of setup you're going to have for us. And mm-hmm. we don't know whether you're going to trust what we have. So if we're all going to not be on the same page, then let's just create our own geographic bubble, conference bubble, and that's yeah. what we're going to do. Yeah. And I think that's how why you, you started to see the MAC over the weekend bow out, the Mountain West bowed out. You've got a lot of those top-tier teams that get those million, million and a half paydays for non-conference teams to go get their brains beat in mm-hmm. by the Alabamas and the Clemsons. And if now that is not a big boost for your athletic department's revenue, why are we going to bother? Right. We just don't have that money anymore. We can't function. So we might as well just shut it down. It, just to go back to your Delaney thing, it, it is interesting how, as we've gone through this now for four months or five months, however long it's been, th- I've there, lost track. There are people, and you're, we see it in really in sports and politics because they're the two things that are kind of constantly in our face. Mm-hmm. There is a group of people like a Delaney, like you laid out, where they're looking for ways to get it done. There's also a lot of people that are looking for ways to not do this. For, stuff. Exactly. And, you know, the, the, the pack. 12 not playing is the least surprising thing that I've heard since this pandemic happened because you've got basically half, half or is, more is, is California yeah. and California is it's a shit show. I can only from think top to bottom. It's six, just six schools that are two in Oregon, two in Washington, two in Arizona. Am I leaving out anybody? Utah. Like they've got Utah, a couple yeah, spread, okay. you know, Utah, Colorado, yeah. I think, but um, you know, mostly it's California. Yeah. So like, yeah, they're not with, the way they're handling the pandemic, yeah, they're not playing football. The way the southern states have handled it, yeah, they're playing. They're going to find a way because, I mean, I was listening to uh, a podcast the other day and Rosilla was on. And they were talking about, uh, remember Playboy would have like the party school rankings? Yeah. Remember that? Yes. In Wisconsin would yep, be up there. Absolutely. And he went to Vermont and he was saying how Vermont was always up there. And he said him. he took his buddy... Rosillo goes to a couple LSU games every year, he said, and he took his college buddy with him down to a game, and he said his buddy turned to him and said, we need to write Playboy a letter and tell him to take us off of that list because after being down here, that's embarrassing. <laughs> like, Rosillo was saying, like, if you go to Tuscaloosa on, like, a Tuesday mm-hmm. on a game on a home game week, he goes, they're already getting ready for Saturday. Wow. He's like, they're setting up tents. They're get, the food vendors are there. Like, like... People don't work down there on the weekend of a home game. They have eight of them a year. That's their thing. So, like, them people aren't giving that up. Like, that is, like, think about Tuscaloosa other than having the university. What the hell? There's nothing there. No. So, like, their economy is so based on that. Like, Madison's a relatively big city, I think, for a college town. But, like, you know, like Champaign, Illinois. What the hell is there? Bloomington. There's nothing there. It's Mm -mm. just the college. West Lafayette. Yeah. So it's going to be a big-time trickle-down effect with a lot of this stuff. It's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. And um, I think think we're going to not see college football until next fall. fall. Yeah. So, okay, so you're the sports president. Yeah. You have been nominated. Yeah. You have the crown. Uh Uh-huh. What have you done differently over the last few weeks or the last few months 
since coming down the pike, you've seen the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, and the NFL do whatever they're doing, golf, NASCAR. What do you take from all that? What do you do so that there are games starting the week before Labor Day? Well, I think you've seen with the NBA, with NHL, and with golf that the bubble idea works. It's very, very hard to do that with football because you've got so many guys. Now, maybe you cut down the roster size for a year. Those kids are all, you know, they're still on scholarship, but um, when, and they can, they, if you want to allow them to maybe dress and stand on the sideline at home, if they're living within this bubble, fine. They're not traveling. Okay. I don't need, you don't need 90 guys to try. I don't know how many guys in college football travel, but it sounds right. Just do your 45. You don't need to know no more than that are going to play. Maybe you got a couple of backups if you're playing a shitty team and you know you're going to blow them out, whatever. So you could do something like that. Um, do something where, yeah, it, it, I would want the schedule to be similar to what Major League Baseball has done, like you alluded to, with kind of having a geographic bubble. We're like, yeah, you're not, you know, the Badgers were supposed to play Notre Dame. Yeah, that can't happen. We can't really, I mean, that could, I guess, happen because that's say, re- relatively close. You're going like, to go farther to play some like, other schools. Alabama can't play USC this year, right. and that, that was one that I think was supposed to happen. Like, that's too far. Right. We're not going to stick you in a tube and have you fly across the country. That's not going to work. We could take a bus from Madison to every other school sure. in the conference Could do outside it. of probably Rutgers and Maryland. Yeah. So, you know, the travel is an issue, but I don't know. I mean, just off the top of my head, those are a couple things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to justify to me that you're going to have school in person, in session, and you're telling these kids, that are only, you're telling a bunch of kids that, let's just be honest, 60% of them, they don't give a shit about going to school. No. They're there to play football or basketball, period, because they think and they've been told they're going to be professional athletes. That's why they're there. So now you're telling these kids, okay, you're here. We're going to make you go to school. You got to still keep up with all this eligibility shit, but you can't play football. You can't practice. We don't want you in the weight room. You can't talk to the strength coach. Why am I here? Why am I here? I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. So are you going to see – a lot of guys, like you talked about, are they going to test the waters next year, maybe prematurely, because they just don't want to be in school, or they're flunking out of school? I would imagine you'll get a lot of guys looking at the NFL draft board to give to give them a ranking of where do you see with no year, where do you see me being drafted? And that's going to be a very fuzzy ranking. Hey, does, does the NCAA football adopt something similar to what basketball has done? where a kid can declare himself eligible, go through the combine, and have get all that feedback. And yeah, pull, you can't hire an agent. And then pull himself out. And then say, okay, I had I talked to 20 teams, and 18 of them said you're not getting picked. I got to go back. Yep. Or maybe you go in there and you test well, and so a bunch of them go, yeah, we could see a fifth round for you. Mm. Oh, okay, well, well then. I'll do that. Yeah. That's better than taking women's studies or, you know, some psychology class. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I think that's a, a real thing that, that could pop up. Another big discussion was that kind of came out this morning and has kind of carried over, and I haven't really paid too much attention to it because now it's just getting people throwing insults at each other, 
Where do you come down on the safety factor of the kids? They are safer playing football with all the protocols than they are just going to class with everybody else and not abiding by any other standards or whatever and just leaving them to their own devices. Well, I think in theory that might be true, but, you know, they're if they're going to be there to play football, they're still going to have to go to class. So that's where, like, the bubble thing makes it tough because – if you put them in a bubble, okay, well, how are they going to go to class? As soon as they go to class, now they're out of their bubble. Are there going to be professors or TAs that are going to put the, that are going to go then into the football bubble and just be the full time teachers and tutors of these players? I don't think you've got that much staff available. I, I, I don't know. I yeah. don't know how that will work. I mean, I know they've got a lot of student assistants. Oh, for sure. That, that are you know up there, and that's their job is to work with these teams and tutor them and stuff. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how that would work. That's what makes this – there's ideas to make it work, which we've thrown out yep. there, and then there's these questions of how are you going to do that that right now are just kind of unanswerable and nobody's willing to roll the dice and just see what happens. How do you fix the leadership then at the top if you've got all these conferences? And, and this has been the argument from from the beginning and on uh, from people that'll, that have been say, saying – this is why it's not going to work because you've got all these different conferences playing by their own rules mm-hmm. and nobody really has come down on them to say, here's what we're all doing right. and here's what we're all not doing. Right. So what do you need to appoint somebody that's a basically a commissioner of college football or is it Mark Emmert's job? It's not. That's what I mean. It's not his job. So then do you need somebody to to be the the figurehead for all five of these conferences to say, listen, here's what we all have to do if we're all going to make this work, because it doesn't seem like the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the SEC, the Big 12, the ACC, the Big E, none of them really care what the other's doing. But I think in doing that, that's kind of how we arrived at this point. Right. You know what I mean? You have to find a reason to make them care about what everybody else is doing. And the only way they've been able to do that is with, like, the college bowl committee or the, or the playoff committee. I mean, you could you, I mean, there's, you could take all, you could take the five conference power five commissioners and there's your college football uh, board. And now, because there's five votes, majority rules. You got an odd number. Right. Everybody's got their own interest, but you have to make a decision that's going to benefit the group. Or, you know, the, the what is it, the playoff selection committee, yeah. there's mm-hmm. a group of those people. Yep. Use some of those people. Maybe use, maybe get a group of retired ADs or retired coaches, uh, Ooh, people that maybe don't, around. And, and don't necessarily have a personal skin in the game, yeah. you know, um, something like that. But, you know, the way basketball does it where they have, like, the committee for the tournament and they have they have like a rotating guy every year that's kind of the head of that that works pretty well. You know, at least there's somebody that on selection Sunday has to sit there and answer these questions. Right. Where now there really isn't that. No. There's so not. when there's no, you know, the buck's supposed to stop with the leader, but when there ain't no leader, <laughs> the buck just keeps going. Right. And everybody starts pointing fingers at each other yeah. and and like you say, this is where we end up. 
All right. Um, there's not much to talk about in the NFL. I mean, if you no. want to stick with football, and and basically everybody's in training camp, everybody's getting tested, everybody's in meetings. I mean, the Packers have been there for now a week and a half or more, and their first practice isn't even until Saturday. So they're 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 doing this ramp up acclimation period before they get. But I mean, there's no media allowed in any of these things. They're doing Zoom calls for question and answers with coaches and GMs and players. So I think, I mean, we, we talked about it before we started recording. I think the reason you're not hearing anything about the NFL is because the media is not seeing anything, so they can't report anything. And they I, don't know. I bet 99% of the players love it. Oh, they're it. fine with They that. love it. I'm sure coaches probably do too. There's a, there's a small percentage of Odell Beckhams and guys like that in the league that crave that attention, but I bet most of those guys are like, this is great. I don't have to talk to There's anyone. nobody crowding around my locker. Right. Can you imagine being Aaron Rodgers now and just being able to go in, get dressed, and go home? Well, he only has one availability a week. He's he's very, very special like that, but it's like everybody else, yeah. fair game. Yeah. Fair game. There's always somebody to ask you a question every practice. Mm-hmm. Where now it's like, well, we have a scheduled Zoom for you. Yeah. How long do I get to sit here? 15 minutes. Fine. That's it? Yeah. I can do this. Right. It's no problem. So... I, when is the first NFL game? Is it the 13th? I don't even know. Is it four weeks? I don't know. Dude, like, I, I'm so out <laughs> of it with the NFL. Like, I was telling you before, I got my fantasy draft in, like, two and a half, three weeks. How's that going? Like, I don't even know who the hell's on any of these teams. <laughs> like, I'm, I can't remember who got drafted by who. Who's You know, there's been a couple guys that have changed teams, which usually isn't a huge deal, but... I don't know. I want to say it's September 13th, so you've got basically Sounds about right. a month. Yeah, because I think our draft's the 5th. So, yeah, okay. it would be the next that, week. But. That, that sounds uh, – Brewers are already losing. Yeah, I saw, I, I saw that. All right, um, let's switch gears to the Brewers. Speak of the Devils. Or, I mean, we, we don't even have to start with the Brewers if you want. We can just talk Major League Baseball because, the I mean, the clown show just continues with – with the Cardinals. The Marlins are actually playing, and they're doing well yeah. coming off of this thing. And then you've got the two boobs with the Indians who just wanted to go out and party. And, it, like, we talked about that with college football where... Y- but you're always going to have an idiot, man. There's always an idiot. I never played on a team that didn't have an idiot. Or more than one idiot. That is a guarantee. uh uh-huh. But yeah, the St. Louis Covids, they still haven't played. Oh, that's uh, a good one. They haven't played in about two weeks. I don't know what the hell is going on. That franchise has got to be mortified and embarrassed because they think they are something oh, else. They're the gifts. They think they are gifts to baseball, yes. and they have had to sit around and take shit from every other fan base in the league and watch every other team play other than them. It's got to be killing but them. But they can't say anything. They have no defense. No, I know they don't. None. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like they have to be, the their front office and the people that run that team have got to just be so embarrassed. I don't know if that's going to make them straighten up and fly right. I I mean I don't really care. I mean they were supposed to play against the Cubs. Then more players tested or more people in the organization tested positive. Then there was another one on Sunday and that wiped out the Pirate series through Wednesday. So it's I mean I and and now you've got this thing people. I was really struggling because I follow a guy who works on a Chicago radio station, and he goes some to the effect of, so the Cardinals are going to have to play X amount of games in X amount of days. How do we feel that this is safe? My response was, 
I don't really care. No. That's their fault. That's their fault. And 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 he was trying to look at it from a a fairness and if we're all about safety then how can you say we're being safe and still tell them to trot out whatever. And to me, you caused this problem yourself. You need to get your way out of it and you need to figure out how you can do it safely. I don't mean to sound like, you know, a cold-hearted asshole, but it's the Cardinals. For sure. It's very easy to do ju- just with them. But, like, I'm trying to put myself in, in the Brewers case, but it's like, I, I just, if this was my team, I would be all about just scrap it. Right? Just white flag yeah, I'd done. Be like, just scrap it. So what, are they going to play 40 games, and now we're going to now the Cardinals can make the playoffs off of a win percentage that, that's what as, I mean. as opposed to actually winning games? Like, fuck that. So you're going to play three quarters of the games at the end and at the, at the other play, that the other teams did, and at the end, your winning percentage is actually pretty good, even though you don't have the same amount of wins, and you're still going to get in. How many teams are going to lay down for that? Yeah. I mean, I understand, like Rob Manfred said, that it's just a piece of metal that you're playing for, but, but still. Right. Yeah, but uh, the the two kids that got sent home from the Indians, one of them was uh, Plesak's nephew. You Correct. think Uncle Dan uh, maybe gave him an earful when he I found out about this? Have to, don't you have to call him? And, and just- Terry Francona is your manager, who oh, man, who is uh, is as well respected as a guy in baseball as there is. And you got to go have that conversation with him. Mm-mm. Dumb. And speaking of idiots, how about the A's and the Astros? Getting into a giant brawl, which is not socially distant. Obviously, oh, these guys the aren't fans of white men can't jump because uh, you ain't supposed to be talking about nobody's mama. Because <laughs> allegedly, is that's, that what it was? That's what uh, the kid on the A's said. The uh, Astros hitting coach made disparaging comments about his mother. So when you're that age, yeah, are... but it, I, the, the article I read, like, there's some backstory with this kid okay. and his parents that's kind of oh. a little. Off limits, gotcha. I think. Okay, so so, so, you, so you bring up an off limits topic. The, the kid on the A's, I can't remember, since it's like Loriano or that's something not, that like that. Right. He came up in the Astros system, so when you see him going towards the dugout, he gets tackled by two guys. Well, the guy that tackled him was his buddy, and he was laying on top of him, telling him, "Just stay down here. You're good. I'll, I got you." Like he didn't want his friend to get his ass kicked because he was getting get jumped by thirty dudes, but like. You can't do that right now. I mean, we saw it in the Dodger Astro thing a yes. couple of weeks ago. This guy, uh, this hitting coach, got twenty game suspension. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean that's more than any Astros player got for cheating. <laughs> yeah, so, I, and a lot of these suspensions, that's the immediate thing that gets brought up. Yeah, like, oh, you have a penalty for this? We're still waiting on that thing. Right. Not really equitable here. No, nobody's done a thing about it. Um. Brewers aren't doing too hot. Um, six and eight. Council came out after yesterday's game. I saw the Rosario uh, blast, and it was just an absolute monster shot that uh, Hauser just teed up there with a changeup on the first pitch, and he Rosario just absolutely just pounded it. Um, but Council said after the game, he was like, middle of the lineup, you guys got to start hitting. Period. End of story. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was nice to see Urias back. Um, he, he, he made a couple plays. There was a good bang, bang play at first where he had to range way out into shallow right center, spin around. And he threw one right at the feet of whoever was playing first and he dug it out and it was a really sweet play. Um, so, I mean, it was, it was nice, but I mean, the twins, these guys hit homers, they hit, Mm -hmm. you want an offense? That's an offense. 
Well, and when you play a team like that, you got to score against, right. against them. You know, you you can't have you hold these, them down, and then you got to score. Yeah, two runs ain't gonna cut no. it. Nope. Um, it was nice to see Yelich and Hira hit a little bit. Yes. the last couple days. Yep. I mean, thank God Hira can hit. Because <laughs> holy shit, is he bad in the field? That was the knock on him. Well, it was proven true the yeah. other day when he yeah. was throwing the ball all over the place. Yep. Um, you know, and and. I was having a conversation with a buddy about the Brewers the other day, and he was not happy with what was going on. And I've tried to temper my disappointment because I didn't really think this team was going to be very good in February when right. the original roster this came out. This is not out. news. And the way this baseball season is going, I don't really care that much anyway. But this is a team that has a great player in Yelich. And I'm just I'm not I'm talking about non pitchers here. A great player in Yelich, a player in Hero who I think might be able to make an all-star team or two, a la like a Ricky Weeks or a Hardy or somebody like that, but he's not a star. He never will be a star. And then you've got a bunch of utility players on your team. You're talking that are playing right now? I'm talking about that are on the complete roster. You've got Yelich, you've got Hira, and you've got a bunch of utility players on your roster. Narvaez is a utility catcher. Mm-hmm. Pena, is, Pena and Narvaez, if you took their jerseys and swapped them, they're the same guy. Holt, Sogard, Arcia, uh, Jerko, same guy. Mm-hmm. Might do a couple a little bit. You know, Arcia's better in the field. Jerko might have a little power. They're all utility guys. You know, Avasil Garcia, eh. Matt Gamble, yeah, well, we already saw the best of him. That's over. Ben Gamble. Ben Gamble, whatever. Doesn't matter. We've seen the best of both of them. Yes. It's over. He's a utility guy. So you take Braun and Kane out of that lineup, this is, it's ugly. Mm-hmm. It's ugly. And and the fact that you take a 36-year-old banged up Braun and a 35-year-old not as good as he used to be Kane out of your lineup and you can't replace those guys right now, I mean, Justin Smoke, like, yeah, he had one good year in Toronto like three years ago, but he's just a guy. What? Logan Morrison spent the entire last season in the minors. Well, that's where he's now in he's now in Appleton. Right. So like you can't you can't really expect this team to score a lot of runs because it's not a very good roster. I'm I saw, sorry. I saw a tweet the other day, yesterday, I think it was, where you could have taked that five million that you paid Smoke and you could could have paid Thames and oh. And and Aguilar. I would much rather have Thames than Smoke. The only reason that they, the reason why they love Smoke is because he's a switch hitter. Well, that's great, but if he can't hit the ball, then it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's all about the 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 stats and the sabermetrics and all that stuff. I mean, from the outside looking in, it appears because there's no rhyme or reason to how their lineup is every day, other than it's got to be a math equation. It has to be. Because you can't one day bat Sogard first, and then you bat him ninth, and then Gamble's third, and now he's seventh, and it's like what? that changes your approach. It has to, it has to. Put Yelich in the three hole, put Hira in the two hole, figure out who the hell's going to protect those guys, and go from there. But this constant lineup jockeying, I, I, I got to think that's hard for the players. I got to think it is. I mean, I was never a, a high-level baseball player by any means, but but we ran down you know, the way you 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 construct your lineup last week. It's not rocket science, but you've got all this new science and new metrics that says that maybe that now is too archaic. And I hate that. I just 
I just do. I, there, there's something to be said about guys going with their gut and, and riding a hot streak and all the, that kind of stuff. And I think this guy's due. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the famous line in Major League when 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 Lou Brown goes out. Hunch. Yeah, I I just got, you're bringing in you're bringing in Vaughn to face the to the face Clay Haywood, right? I, I I got a feeling this guy's due. You know, I mean, that's just the way it is. It's the way baseball was played for over a hundred years, and now in the last ten, it seems like it's just become a game of pocket protectors. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> um, the pitching has been also. I mean, up and down. You've got your starting rotation that you kind of went into the year with, and now there are guys all over the place. The new I guys mean, have not been good. You've got Freddie Peralta that's now done well in long relief. Burns has been a long relief. They were both slated to start, and now they're not. And it's so, I mean, we're getting this juggling act, and I think it's probably sooner than we would have expected for that. Yeah, a little bit. I, well, I, I, they had some weird stuff go on. Anderson had the blisters, right, blister, and yeah. Lindbaum got sick yep. or something, or yep. he had the back, like something tweaked. I mean, Woodruff's been good. Um, He's been dominant in, in, in like, two games. Mm-hmm. He's been so-so in the other two. Um, Hauser had a great start the other night. I think it was against Pittsburgh when he shut him out. He allowed one run in yeah. 12 innings. He was great. And, um, and, and let's be honest, he was fine yesterday except for one yeah, inning. Yeah, he had a bad inning, and that, that was it. Uh, yeah, and that was it. But, you know, Anderson has struggled. Lauer was terrible the other day. Uh, Lindblom has been okay, okay. but he, he's already given up two home runs tonight. Um, oh, really? So it kind of is what I thought it was going to be. I, I didn't, you know, these guys were kind of reclamation slash bargain bin For sure. guys. Yep. Um, I really, Urias, Urias, however you say his last name, he better pan out because Trent Grisham's good. And Trent Grisham would be your starting center fielder right now if he was on your team. And Zach Davies is better than the this Lauer guy. There's just no question about it. I mean, Zach Davies, for all of his faults, guy pitched 34 starts a year Mm -hmm. and pitched, kept you in most games. He was a soft tosser, so he'd get bopped around a little bit. But for the most part, for the two, three years he was in that rotation, he was pretty stable. But you talked about it during the offseason. It's like these guys go somewhere and they sign for X amount of dollars, and you're like, you couldn't have met that? You couldn't have even beaten that by a little bit? And yet you're going to go with somebody, and you're going to pay them as much or a little bit less, and then the numbers aren't even equitable to the person that just left. Well, one of the things I've really enjoyed about the season so far, though, with the Brewers is to play Arcia, because the Brewers pretty much have been trying to shove him out the door now for the last year, um, and as evidenced by that trade with the Padres. But he's played pretty well. You know, he hasn't done the typical Arcia stuff. You know, where he's swinging out of his shoes or he's smashing into people out the field. <laughs> so that, that's that been nice to see. But all in all, I mean, they're 6-8. and eight. They got the Twins tonight and tomorrow. Then they go back down to Wrigley for four this weekend to play a, a pretty damn good Cub team that's playing really well right mm-hmm. now. So um, this is an important little stretch here for the Brewers because you lost last night. You're already losing tonight to the Twins as we record this. You don't want to keep losing series all the time, and you're going to really have a bad home record coming out of this little stretch. For sure. I think what they beat, they got one win at home. One, yeah, yep, and that was against the last the game against Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not been pretty. All right, let's uh, let's switch to the NBA. Um, 
Bucks lost. Uh, was it last night to the Raptors? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Giannis. Do we know what the oral surgery was? I was no. trying to have people look up this morning. Like, can you find anything? It just had oral surgery. Uh, yeah. No. That's all it said. That's all okay. it said. It, it initially yesterday it was a toothache that got changed to oral surgery, okay. and that's where it stays today. So interesting. You know, maybe he had a tooth pulled. Who knows? Right. Um, maybe he's got a. Uh, wisdom tooth issue. Who who the hell knows? Coach Bud said that he may or may not play against the Wizards tonight. He's, I think he's, against the Grizzlies. It sounds like uh, Middleton, Bledsoe, Giannis, uh, Wes, and somebody else were all out. I think Lopez is the only starter that was going to play. Well, I saw the tweet with their injured list, and they got a lot of guys that are nursing a couple of just yeah, basic things. It's more just rest. I mean, Kyle Korver got his face broke last night towards the end of the game. I'm surprised <laughs> he's in the line. I mean, he got smoked with an elbow right here, right on that, Ooh, right that, under the, the eye. The, the orbital bone oh, right there? It was bad. It looked bad like two minutes after it happened, so I can only imagine like what he looks like, like today. been in a boxing match? Yeah. Somebody smacked him right on. All right. It's It's been weird, man. This the, the the results of these games in the bubble have been very strange. Oh, I saw Phoenix was undefeated. Phoenix is 6-0. and oh. Phoenix had was 24-39 and 39 coming into the bubble. They've won all six games. How's their schedule been? Like, who have they played? They've played some good teams. Okay. Um, what we're seeing, though, is what I told you was going to happen. A lot of resting. A lot of managing minutes by the teams that are at the top, have stars, and aren't really concerned as much about home court because there is none. There's none. There's a li- there's been a little jockeying for seeding. Jane asks, she's like, she goes, why does it say Pfizer Forum on the floor? Yeah. It's like, well, that's the home, but they're not at the Pfizer. Well, that's it's the, just for TV. the home. She's like, right. so they do that for every home team? I'm like, I guess. That's for TV. Okay. But, yeah, the Bucks are 2-4, and four, the Lakers are 3-4, and four, and won on a buzzer beater last night. To, to get to three and four, they have not played well. The Clippers are three and three. The Bucks and the Clippers have both lost to the Nets, who have like a roster of G League guys. Bag of bums. But the weird thing about it is like they're just um, these guys are playing. A lot of guys are playing over their head, mm-hmm. and it reminds me a little bit of what you normally see at the end of the regular season where you get these teams that aren't very good that kind of are just playing free and easy and loose, and then you got the good teams that are resting guys and not going balls out. The Bucks did go balls out for the most part the other night against Dallas and lost in overtime in a really good game. They just got beat by a guy who, a great player who had a great game. I mean, Luka Doncic was unbelievable in that game. He had like 36, 19, and 15, something like that. It happens. Um I'm a little concerned about the Bucks defensively especially. They're giving up way too many points. I'm not sure if that's a factor of they're just not locked in and they're just they just kind of want to get to the playoffs. Um but it 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 hasn't looked great. They've they've let some guys that aren't very good get off on them. Last night Matt Thomas for the Raptors uh, a kid from Onalaska, actually, oh, who really? played at Iowa State. He came in and had a game of his life. He made everything he threw up. He was hitting threes. He was hitting runners. He was getting the foul line. So that kind of weird stuff has been happening throughout the bubble. That T.J. Warren we saw a couple yep. of weeks mm-hmm. ago for Indiana score 50-something. He's averaging like 30 a game in the bubble. Um, so I, I'm I'm hoping that next Monday when the playoffs start that everything kind of tightens up a little bit and you see guys – the main guys play 
more minutes. You see rotations get shrunk down from maybe 10 guys to 8 guys, which is pretty typical for the playoffs. Um, but the Bucks haven't looked great. They've they've had moments. Uh, they were great in the second half the other last Thursday against Miami. They were get they were down twenty in the first half, came back and won by twelve, so they beat the hell out of them. And that's a team they're very likely to play in the second round. Mm-hmm. But it, it 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 hasn't been. I'm I'm not super confident going in with just the way I've noticed the way they're playing. They just don't seem real cohesive. You're matching up basically everything that I'm reading on Twitter from a lot of the, either the fans or the, or the people that watch the team quite a bit. They're basically saying and intimating the same things. Well, Kyle Korver today was quoted. Let me find the quote here. Sure. He said, on all the teams I've been on, I've always found this is the point in the season where there's a, a turning point for a team. You either take it and you move forward better or you move or you go the wrong way. I'm not going to say we are at that point, but we're close. I believe in the character of our group. I think we have a bunch of guys who want to do the right thing. I believe in our culture and I think we're going to figure it out. So there the players and the coaching staff understand that they're not playing particularly well right now. I mean, mm-hmm. Dante DiVincenzo's been pretty bad. He's just been he's just had some bad games. Um, Middleton's been a little up and down. Bledsoe and Connaughton, they're still trying to work them in because they missed all that time at the beginning with with being out with the virus. Um, Giannis is a machine. He does what he does. I am not worried about him in the least, although I would like to see a few less airballed free throws. Um, (laughs) The bench is concerning. Um, They played a lot of minutes last night against Toronto. Toronto's got a lot of young, long, athletic guys off of their bench. The Bucks were trotting out a lineup of like Urson, Lopez, Corver, um, George Hill. Like all those guys are north of thirty. That's an old group, mm-hmm. and they've looked old. And the minutes for Robin Lopez and Urson have been pretty sparse. So maybe there's a little method to the madness there. Maybe he's trying to keep their minutes down. We've seen a lot of Marvin Williams instead of Urson, um, but I don't know. It's it's. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the roster here in the playoffs going forward because Bud will shorten it down. They're not going to play right. 11 guys like they did throughout mm-hmm. the year. It's going to be eight or nine guys. It's just a matter of who's that going to be. It's going to be interesting to see. All right. Um, let's see. So they got the Wizards tonight. Yes. And then Memphis they Thursday still, afternoon. I don't think. Oh, has that, been a, has that game time been announced? I think it's three. Okay, because because it it had not been announced last I last okay. last I had I'm pretty sure I, I saw today okay. it was at three, okay. but that could change. But yeah. I'm just looking at it for my scheduling purposes. If we can get both games, I in, think but. the Bucks will play that one relatively hard because Memphis is um, currently the eight seed in the West, and they're in the mix for that bubble game or that double elimination game that mm-hmm. they're going to probably have to play. So, just for the integrity of the league, I, I think the Bucks will try to win that one. But okay. uh, yeah, tonight. Is kind of a nothing night. So, all right. Um, what else do you want to touch on? You've, you've kind of gone. You got some, oh, yeah, Luca, some Damian Lillard stuff. You, you, you touched Luca on was Luca. unreal. Yeah, that was. I mean, most of our listeners, I'm assuming, probably watched the Bucks that night. That was a hell of a performance by a 21 year old kid. Mm-hmm. Um, Damian Lillard on Portland. Um, Portland. It appears they're playing right now as we speak. It appears they're going to probably be playing Memphis in that elimination game to make the playoffs. And Damian Lillard has been unbelievable. But the other night they played the Clippers, and the Clippers sat all their stars. And he missed two free throws with about 10 seconds left, and Portland lost the game. 
and there was a lot of woofing coming from the Clippers bench, and and Lillard made a couple of comments in the post game about you know there are guys in that team that were talking, but you know the last couple of years in the playoffs, Lillard's been the one to send them home, <laughs> and then you know of course then that leads to the little girly Twitter fights yes, that that's these right. guys have now. But I I just love the old schoolness of Lillard, where he's like, I'm on Portland. I don't want to play for the Lakers. I want to win in Portland. This is my team. And fuck all you guys. I'm not trying to be your friend. Right. Like him and Russell Westbrook do not get along at all. He obviously doesn't get along with Paul George on the Clippers. So I like that. That's that's cool. That's the way. Like, it's not like I'm going to fight you. It's just good old-fashioned sports hate. We don't have enough sports hate anymore amongst the players. Mm -hmm. It still exists with the fan bases. But the players, it's kind of gone away. I admire that in any sport where a guy doesn't need to sign with a contender but would rather, you know, take his lumps, build the team up, and then when you've got something, I've never been in that situation. I just have a feeling it would mean more than if you get two or three superstars, you band together, and you lay waste to everybody and you get a championship, be like, man, we really earned that. Well, maybe. That's why I never understood when when you'd hear sports commentators say that when LeBron won that title in Cleveland, like it counted as two, it counted for more. I would hear that all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, but he went there and he made them trade the number one pick for Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving was already there. He got everybody. It was a super team. Yeah. And then he went out and he signed all his buddies. Like what Dame Lillard is doing and what hopefully Giannis continues to do in Milwaukee is say, look. I'm the guy. This is my squad. Mm-hmm. If you want to play with me, here we're, you're playing here. If you don't want to play here, fine. But if you're going to play with me, you're going to play where I play. Right. I'm not going to where you play. I I love that. I do too. For for sports. Yeah, absolutely. I really do. So it's a. I get it. If you're an aging veteran yes. and you've never had yes. a championship, be like, I want to go some somewhere where I can win and I have the ability. But when yes. you're young and when you say, "Let you know, I want to go and I deserve to do this," I'm like, "Well." It's like when Garnett and Ray Allen went to Boston; they were like 34. Yeah, Garnett had been on the Timberwolves for like 14 years. Right. Like, what? What do you want? Wasting yeah, away what do you in want? Minnesota. What do you right. want him to do? Just sit there and rot? Right. Like at some point, yeah, but right, but not when you're in your prime. Right. You don't need to do that. No. Absolutely. I'm um, with you. What happened to Ben Simmons? He dislocated his kneecap. Like, I don't know, like a random routine jump stop. It was weird. I don't think so I would want to see it, that. It didn't well, It didn't look anything. No. Like, I think there was a little, there was some uh, tissue damage probably okay. that, that is keeping him out more than the actual dislocation of the bone. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it sounds like he's probably done. Done for the year. So Philadelphia is in a world of hurt, which certainly doesn't break my heart because I can't stand Embiid in that, that <laughs> oh, team see, anyway. Didn't he just hurt himself too? Didn't he yeah. tweak something or something He's like that? He's just like that, though. He just gets in these <laughs> where, like, I don't think he wants to play. I don't know. He's just one of those guys. Did you hear this thing? I heard it t- this afternoon, so I didn't add it to our list. I added it late. But LeBron came out, I think it was yesterday. It must have been last night after the game. And just was like kind of whining and complaining about playing in front of no fans and how much it's like affecting him in his game and stuff. Did you hear that? Negatively, I would yeah, assume. Yeah. What? 
Well, he, like, he, he just needs was, to feed off of them or yeah, what? And he said he made a comment that was it's so funny and it's so arrogant. It's true, but it's arrogant. He's like, I, I, I don't know the last time I've played a game with nobody watching me. I, people don't when, when I play basketball, people watch me. And it's like such an arrogant thing to say, but it is true. He it, has it he has be. bad people watching him since he was twelve. There's a lot of things you can say that are true, but you probably just shouldn't. But say But it's them. like the other what the other two hundred and fifty three hundred guys they're they're not affected by it. Just you. Like, are you that big of a drama queen? It's always something with LeBron. There's always an excuse. Always. You're you're. I'm sure you're just eating this up. Well, it's like yeah, dude. Rondo broke his hand. Avery Bradley's got, kids got a bad respiratory thing so he didn't go in the bubble and you're a little short-handed but everybody says you're the best player in the world and you got anthony davis like i don't want to hear any whining you picked this team you wanted them to trade all the guys for hit for davis all them guys in the pelicans were on the lakers last year except zion but yeah shut the fuck up man just play everybody's in this it's one of those things where it's like <laughs> everybody's going through the same thing yeah I don't want to hear you crying. Mm-hmm. Give me a break. <laughs> I hope something keeps happening because I think we should. At, at this rate, we're just going to have a LeBron segment on on every podcast. No, I don't want to. That I <laughs> I do not want to talk about that guy. It's if at you, all possible. It's your you are the I'm just tired of you are the brother love to well, to to road trips for it, for LeBron. It, it reminds me of the way I felt about Favre at the end, where it's like, dude, you've bet you you're around and Brady too. It's like these guys that come in young and they hang around and they are fortunate enough to not get hurt and they're good. It's just so much. It's just constantly talking about them. Like the only thing I've heard about football really in the last month has been about Brady. Like I don't give a shit about Brady. He's 43. He's done. He's old. And he's playing that in That team Tampa. is not winning the Super Bowl. Right. I, they might make the playoffs. That's it. You know, so just. I'm I'm ready to move on from this sure. generation because there's so many good younger guys mm-hmm. that I'm more interested in. I yep. know everything about LeBron and Tom Brady. There's no mystery left. Find me somebody we know else. Them. Yeah, that's that's fine. All right, um, we've run through pretty much. I, do you have anything else before we switch to the to the final couple of topics? No, no, we can hit the last two things. Um, what you have in the notes: the disappearance of the middle class in sports, mm-hmm. and what do you mean by that, well, I guess? I, I, I was just I was thinking about some of these teams and some of these rosters in the NBA, and it's like, you know, um, well, on a different podcast I was listening to, they were talking about the Spurs, San Antonio Spurs. And it's like, they're not winning the title. Um, they're trying to sneak in as the eight seed. They're playing their ass off. Um, they're well coached. They got, they got guys that know what's going on. They got one really good player in DeMar DeRozan. And it's kind of like that old argument of, you know, it's better to be at the bottom than in the middle in sports, especially in a league like the NBA where the draft lottery is such a big deal. And even in football, it's like going eight and eight in football really doesn't do anything for you. You'd almost rather be like two and 14. I mean, the coach wouldn't. Michael and I have that discussion every year. Like if, if you want the Packers to make the playoffs, great. If not, they can get two or three wins. Right. I don't care. But it kind of led me into just thinking about like team building and, you know, you Signing a guy like a Chris Middleton, who's not a star, but you gave him star money. So I started looking at some. Just I looked at the Bucks and the Brewers payrolls this year as they currently stand. The Brewers have Yelich, Kane, and Braun, and Avisail Garcia 
those four guys make double digit money. Garcia is the low guy at ten. Yelich is the high guy at like I don't know twenty two something like that. After that, everybody's making like four million bucks or less. So there's like three or four dudes on a baseball team that are making a shit pot full of money, and then nobody else is making any money. And in the NBA, it's, there's similar cases of that. The Bucks aren't as bad, but they're going to be when they sign Giannis. But, like, you look at a team like the Lakers. LeBron's making, like, 38. Anthony Davis is making, like, 36. And then their next highest-paid guy's making, like, six. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not... I'm not so much talking about there's going to be a problem in the locker room as much with like, oh, my God, I can't believe LeBron makes this much money right. and I'm only making $3 million. Most players understand the pecking order of that. I'm just wondering how you continue to team build that way. And can you keep paying? It's one thing to pay Giannis or LeBron or Kevin Durant or Zion or Aaron Rodgers or guys like that. The forty fifty million a year, Pat Mahomes, like he the one he just got. But when you start paying Cousins, Demar Derozan, um, uh, Paul George, guys that are good, you could maybe win a title with them, but they're never going to be the reason you won the mm-hmm. title. So, can you pay your second tier guy forty million dollars a year, and then your third best guy in your team's making eleven? Like, can you can you keep doing that is my question. Well, and with the middle class of sports disappearing, does it just become a bunch of haves and have-nots? I, I don't know if I explained that real no, well. But. No, I, I mean, I, I see where you're going. The way I look at the way I come at that is I'd rather have more middle class guys. So you, you take out one superstar that you're going to pay a monster contract to. So if you take away Kirk Cousins and you pay, pay a guy to play quarterback half as much and you use that money to go grab a left tackle and you can get good money for a left tackle for the money that you save paying Kirk Cousins. And then you get a, you know, a decent wide receiver. You get somebody on defense that can rush the passer. And you bolster that middle class, but you take away that high-end money. But then you don't have a quote-unquote star. Because, I mean, you and I both, we're, we're not, I, by no means would I ever say Kirk Cousins is a star. No. But he plays a star position. Correct. And he has games where he can be a star. My perspective on that is then, what's going to win you more games? I don't care if you don't have star power. I mean, there were plenty of years on the Spurs, and I'm not an NBA guy, but I can recognize the big names. I couldn't tell you who was on the Spurs, Mm -hmm. but you know what I knew about them? They won a shit ton of games, and they were really good. And that doesn't mean they didn't have the Durants and the Westbrooks and the LeBrons and the Anthony Davises and all those guys. But what I do know is that they had a good coach and they had a good nucleus of guys that, from what I understand of what you just explained, probably included more middle-class guys Mm -hmm. than elite guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to me, if you can win championships and that's your best product that you can put out there, I'm fine not having a Brady or a Rodgers or somebody like that, because if your ultimate goal is to win championships, I don't need the attention that comes with the superstar. You know what I love the attention for? Winning. That's all that I would care about. And it's probably it's probably very sports-specific, you know, because in football right now, the model has been proven of have a low-dollar quarterback, young, 
good low dollar quarterback and then pay everybody else. Yep. And we haven't seen anybody recently other than New England. Well, and Brady wasn't making a ton of money, but we haven't seen a team with a Pat Mahomes making forty million win a Super Bowl. We haven't really seen that. I mean, the Rams got close with Goff, Goff. but then they've basically had to just dismantle their team. Mm-hmm. You know, sixteen months later. So football, maybe would you can't you, you kind of have to have that middle class right. basketball. I don't know. I mean, if you've got two stars like right. the Lakers do. Can you just have a bunch of $3 million guys on your team? Does that work? Well, I guess we'll find out. Right. You know, baseball, it doesn't work. No. It does not work. No, I mean, you, you need guys. Other than Kansas City winning in, I think, 2015, if you go back and look at, like, the last 10 or 12 World Series teams, they're all big markets. San Francisco, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia. And, and I guess it's who you pay for the position. Do you want to pay top-tier money for a couple of pitchers? Or do you want to pay top-tier money for a couple of outfielders? Well, like, look at the Angels. They're paying Trout, Trout Pujols, Pujols, and Rendon. Yep. And that Otani guy, just, like, $200 million for four dudes. Well, it's, it's, a, it's no wonder they never make the playoffs what? because they don't have shit else. You so need like, a few other guys to field the team first. I, You know, when you look at yeah. the Brewers, you kind of, okay, I, I get it. Right. I'm not saying they need a they need nine guys making $10 million or more. But your $5 million guy better be good. Right. You better be a good $5 million guy. You can't be a schmuck because mm-hmm. you can't afford to have those schmucks and miss on those guys. Justin Smoke. Justin Smoke, Brad Anderson, you know, guys like that where it's like, okay, they're just okay. Like, I need a little more bang for my buck there. For sure. You know? Nope. I don't know. Just nope. an interesting I totally thing get it. That I, I like that. About today. No, no, it's good. All right, we will uh, we'll end on kind of a sour note. Um, we got word over the weekend um, that one of our friends and somebody who uh, I have worked with a co- on a couple of different occasions um, and a guy that we saw the last couple of years while we've been doing ball games um, for Janesville Craig and, and when we would show up to the intercity matchups and stuff, we would see him around. Um, Tony Hummel passed away um, on Saturday, and then word kind of really got out on Sunday. And um, I think service is already on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't I, – I put what I could into a commentary on Monday. Um, I wrote it Sunday night. I had the opportunity to work with him at the radio stations when he was an account executive. All of his stuff was very, very creative, next-level stuff for as far as getting messages out for his clients. Um, and then he – Broke off of that and started Local Vision TV, and he had he, he reached out to me wanting to do some sports segments, some local stuff, and even some just you know little sketch things that that he would think up and want to do and need little bit parts for. So we kind of got a little bit closer doing doing that kind of stuff because the the offices were just a block away, um, and I could just walk over and shoot some stuff and then see the finished product. He was part of our radio promotions um, that we would get in um, with the food fight, seeing how much people could eat of a particular thing at a client. But um, I know he battled cancer for years and we had we had seen him the last couple of years in the gyms and you could tell he's uncomfortable sitting in the stands but he wanted to be there to watch his kids he wanted to watch jack play for the cougar boys watch kate play for the cougar girls um and when he didn't he'd you know we'd see him the next time uh if we missed him at a game he'd say he had us on you know he was he was always listening um and uh i mean just one of the most creative guys and really 
I'm I'm not sure I could pick out a, a nicer person that I've ever met in my life. I mean, honestly, um, and that's these are the one. I mean, it's always tragic when somebody passes away from cancer, you know, prematurely or or you know, people who have not given the opportunity have not been given the opportunity to lead a full life. Um, but I think Tony maximized every minute that he had, whether he was doing stuff for local vision, whether he was, you know, founding the JBA, working with kids in basketball, being in a band. I mean, I don't know how he had time for all this stuff. I mean, honestly. Um, so that, I mean, that's, that, that's a really, that, that, that hits you right, right in the feelers for me. Yeah. Uh, he was a Renaissance man. He, kind of did a little bit of everything and he was pretty good at a lot of different things. Um, you know, I've known Tony for, oh, I don't know, probably 20, somewhere between 20 and 25 years. We, we were, you know, he's, he's 11 years older than me, 10 years older than you. Um, so we were never super, super close, but we, we were friends for a long time. Um, pretty much, uh, brought together by basketball. Sure. You know, Tony was a big basketball guy. He played at Craig, what uh, played at U Rock ended up going up to I believe it was Minnesota Morris and played a couple years up there um, in some NAIA ball. Um, I played some city league with him when you know when I was done playing at Whitewater for a couple of years and um, got to got to know him better during that time and you know he just a just a great guy um, loved his family treated everybody kindness and respect you know he was one of those guys you know after you know city league basketball softball same kind of thing you go out to the bar and have a couple after the game and you know he was always one of those guys he'd hang out he'd have a couple and then he'd go home you know he wasn't out there to get drunk and party and act stupid and talk talk to women or whatever he was a good guy he had his head on straight and he wanted to go home and spend time with his family um you know you talked about him being at all those games he coached all of his kids all the way through in basketball. He was one of the founders of the JBA in town here. Um, he started his own business, Close the Gate Hoops. And uh, through that friendship uh, be- between him and I, he asked me to help him out some with that um, a couple of years ago, which I did, which was a lot of fun working with some of the kids, um, some of whom are currently in high school and some who have already passed through. Um, you know, and, and I know talking to him at that time, I know it was – on his mind and that how much of their careers he was going to get to see. Um, he got to see Jack play all through high school. He got to see uh, Jack play one year up at River Falls this year. He got to see two years of, of Kate. Unfortunately, Liz is not in high school yet, so he didn't get to see that, but um, I'm sure he'll be watching uh, mm-hmm. from above for sure. And, you know, it, he touched a lot of people in a lot of different ways. I know uh, you guys on CLO on a couple of the shows had some people on talking about him yesterday. And, um, you know, I do the halftime interviews um, at, the, at the basketball games that we do. And a couple of years ago, we started doing the kids. You guys did it with Coach O for football. So we kind of adopted that with basketball. And especially when I was talking to uh, the girls program, predominantly Craig, but even a couple on the uh, at Parker. One of the questions that I asked all the kids was, who was your most influential person in basketball? And a lot of people said Mr. Hummel. And I think that goes a long way because, you know, most parents are pretty involved in their kids' athletic careers coming up, especially if they're good good players or they think they're going to be good players. But 
you know, for for Tony to take that that kind of time with all of these kids, you know, some that were some that played with his kids and some that didn't. Some, you know, when I was working with some of the kids with him, there were kids from Milton and Evansville and and Beloit, so it wasn't just a Janesville thing. And uh, it was uh, he was a great guy. He's going to be missed. The basketball community is certainly going to miss him. We're going to miss mm-hmm, seeing him at him. games and yep. talking to him. Um, you know, our hearts go out to to Jen and, mm-hmm. and the three kids, of course, and, and his parents and his brothers and sisters and and everybody who knew and loved him. So uh, he'll definitely be missed. All right, I don't think we uh, we don't have to run the music. I think we can uh, we can just call it quits um, on that note. So um, I'm glad to have known Tony. I, I wrapped up the commentary yesterday, basically saying I'm glad to have gotten whatever little time that I had available. Uh, to, to spend with him. So I think that's a, that's a good place to end. Um, so Godspeed, Tony, and uh, we will, uh, we'll, we'll be watching, uh, watching your fam as well as they, as they come through and, uh, and, uh, and hopefully you can check in on them as well. So that will, uh, that will do it for this edition of the intentional foul. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, um, Tell your friends. I'm Josh. I'm Dan. And hopefully we will talk to you next time. See ya. Rest in peace, champ.